Hello, and welcome back to the Tuesday Night Late Show. I'm Ethan Haida, your host. On last week's episode, me and my friends Gabe and Justin talked about our personal heroes and what they mean to us in our lives. And on today's episode, we're going to be interviewing my hero, my dad. Uh, my name's Tony, and I'm Ethan's dad. Yep. Tony Haida. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, who my dad's hero is and uh, ask him any other questions about, about his life if we need to. And uh, we'll just kick it off right away with the main question, uh, who is your hero? Yeah, that's a good question. So when you asked me this first, Ethan, I had to think about this, this for a little while. And then when I did come around uh, uh, to a decision, I thought, hey, wait a minute. One person that I've always uh, looked up to in my life is uh, my great-grandfather, Yetz mm. uh, of Elster. Now, it's really interesting because I never knew my great-grandfather. Um, and um, But uh, but there's lots of records of him. That yeah, found, right? actually, you're right. There are a lot of records uh, uh, from him. Um, he was, um, uh, he died many years before I was born, but, uh, he's somebody that I, uh, for, uh, for a number of reasons, we learned a lot about, uh, uh, growing up, but I'd probably say, um, I learned a lot more about, uh, in the last, uh, probably say about 20 years. Uh, mm -hmm. That's because of our trip to Holland, right? Uh, we, uh, found that book that you got there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, five years ago, Ethan will remember this too. We took a trip to Holland as a family and, uh, we uh, ended up uh, researching um, the the life of my great grandfather and, uh, and and finding out more and more about him. And uh, his name was Jetsa Veldstra. He uh, he was uh, somebody who lived from um, 1886 to uh, 1945. Okay, so why is he your hero? Well, and, and it's funny that you ask this because growing up, uh, I, I always knew about him, Jetsa Veldstra, and his uh, his fate, what happened to him. Um, but he was never really spoken of in heroic terms, uh, so uh, so for me to describe him as a hero would probably, uh, um, I imagine, even though I never knew him, would probably sound rather odd to him. But uh, I was always intrigued by uh, who he was and the fact that he was uh, involved as a uh, uh, as a leader in his community with uh, what was then the the resistance in 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 the Netherlands and Friesland and the part of uh, the Netherlands where my dad's family lived. Yeah, when uh. uh during his time, the war was going on, right, with uh, Germany. Can you tell us a little about how he was involved with that? Yeah. Um, I don't know all the details, but I do know that uh, my great-grandfather, who was my father's grandfather, uh, perhaps that goes without saying, but um, my, uh, my great-grandfather was uh, got involved in the, um, in, the, in the Dutch resistance uh, probably in the, um, uh, around 1940, uh, 1941 or 1942. Uh, I don't think he was somebody who was involved in it right at the outset, but he, he, he did get involved when there was a, a need and there was a, a demand in the community and a recognition that what was going on with the German occupation was not going to get any better anytime soon. And uh, uh, many people saw it as their duty to, to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So my great-grandfather, he, um, he decided to get involved too, and, um, and, he, uh, and he participated in... Um, um, in different, um, in not any kind of active resistance in the sense that he didn't, um, he wasn't uh, shooting or bombing or anything like that, but he did agree to, um, uh, to, uh, to store some radio equipment, uh, to, uh, even, I believe even store some weapons, mm -hmm. um, and to, uh, participate, uh, in that. And some of that radio equipment was very important because it, um, it provided some communication to to the Dutch government in exile and and uh, and so he was involved in that in that respect. 
So he took some, I guess he took some real risks. Yeah, that must have been uh, risky. Because if he had got caught by the Germans, that could be, could mean very bad things, right? Yeah, and, and, and you're right. And, and it was risky because he, was, he himself was a, uh, he was a successful farmer. He was a uh, successful businessman. He was uh, quite involved in, uh, for instance, the local dairy cooperative. He was a leader. He was a community leader. So I think he took it upon himself and he saw that leadership role. And he saw it as something that he should, uh, he saw this, I think, as a natural extension mm -hmm. of that leadership role. But um, it's hard to say how, uh, I, I can't, I mean, I can't, from what I know of him, what I've been able to learn from him, uh, I don't think he was a naive man. I think he knew very well uh, what the risks uh, probably yeah. were. Um, but um, but I think at that time, though, too, um, the it, it was very difficult to understand what the consequences would be because you're dealing with uh, an occupier that was in many ways um, un... un they didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Mm -hmm. So uh, perhaps there was a bit of naivete, but uh, but on, on the other hand, uh, they knew what they, they were doing had to be kept secret yeah. and that there would be consequence, consequences rather if, if they were found out. Yeah, so that leads me to another question. So um, what do you think um, his motives were for doing this? Do you think um, he knew um, that what he was doing was for a better good, that the Nazis were, were not, uh, what the Nazis were doing was morally wrong, you think? I think so. I yeah. think so. He himself was a uh, he, he himself was a Christian man, uh, mm -hmm. and I think he took his faith seriously. And I think he saw a real disconnect between uh, between his um, his uh, what he knew to be true uh, from, from you know from growing up and from being a member of his church. And he and he saw some real risks to uh, their way of life and their to the to their beliefs. Um, it's hard to know exactly what he knew in terms of the you know the the, the kinds of crimes that the uh, the Germans were or the Nazis were committing at that time but I think there was a, a general sense that that uh, they had to do what they had to do in order to stop uh, uh, this force mm -hmm. uh, and he was also I, I, I suspect a very patriotic man um, yeah. and uh, he um, he felt that he should do his part I uh, I think in terms of of uh, you know restoring Holland to independence um, and, uh, and, and this was something that he could do and that he, uh, and that he was equipped to do. Mm -hmm. He had, uh, he, he had, uh, he had land, he had property, uh, he, he was able to uh, participate in this manner and he, um, and he was, and, and, and he did that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we're almost at about seven minutes already. So I'll ask you one last question about, uh, your hero. Is there any qualities about him that you try to reflect in your life and you try to put on in, uh, your character? Um, I, I've often wondered about that, and I, it's funny that you ask that because I don't see myself perhaps in the same league as as him, mm -hmm. which is a, probably a, kind of a strange thing to say because I suspect he never saw himself in any league one way, one way or another. Uh, he was an individual who um, um, uh, who uh, uh, stepped up when there was a responsibility to do so. I don't think he, he did that in, in, in the sense... Uh, I don't think he actively tried to uh, be captured in the manner that he was because what mm -hmm. ended up happening was uh, through a, a kind of fluke, he was arrested uh, he, uh, by the Germans. Uh, some uh, communications, some mailings were intercepted that led the Germans to uh, his property and uh, where they found radio equipment and radio broadcasting equipment. And, uh, and he was, the, he was uh, fingered as, the, as somebody responsible for that. Um, and he, uh, so he ended up going to, uh, uh he was, uh, packed away and sent to prison in, uh, the Dutch, uh, uh, town of Scaveningen. And then, uh, from there he was bounced around several other prisons. Uh, he ended up in, um, 
northern Germany, and uh, it was later, uh, after a lot of research by a cousin of my father's, it was, uh, it, it was most likely thought that he died uh, perhaps in the concentration camp of Bergen-Belsen, mm. like very many others at that time. Did he plan that for himself? Did he say, hey, I'm going to do this no matter what the consequences are? I highly doubt that. Mm-hmm. Um, circumstances, uh, cir- circumstances were such that he was uh, swept up in the tide of history, I suppose. Yeah. It was not a tide that he actively sought to swim in. Uh, but, um, but I think he, uh, 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 he was there and, and, and like very many other people, he was affected by something that was larger, larger than himself. But he did know the risks, which is part of his, his hero. I I think so. I think he knew what he was doing because, and the reason why I say that is there, there were many people who did not take such risks. Mm -hmm. There were many people that did not get involved in the resistance. There are very many people who, who decided to lay low. Um, and my great grandfather was the was the father of uh, eleven, uh, several of uh, 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 and, and the father of many grandchildren. My my father was was the oldest grandchild, and my father uh, knew his grandfather really quite well at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was so my great grandfather was very responsible for his family. He was a leader in his community, and yet he 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 decided to. Uh, uh, to take a stand and to and to participate in resisting, yeah. um, whereas many people did not. And um, and again, I say he was swept up by the tide of history. I don't think, but I, I don't mean to say that he was passive. I mean to say that he decided to take a stand, knowing that there could be a consequence. And and that I don't think he could have imagined that the consequence would have resulted in his death in a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there it was. And um, and uh, and he uh, he. During his imprisonment, he, 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 he sent many letters home to his wife and to his family. And in those letters, um, you could see that he was actively uh, trying to defend his, himself, trying to win his freedom, um, trying to find ways and means of, of getting out of prison. Uh, but uh, the, the, yeah, the, um, the deck was stacked against him mm-hmm. at that time. And, uh, and that's, how come he, uh, that, that, that's how he met his fate. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for telling us about your hero. Um, sure. That was great. Um, I think now we'll just move on shortly to um, a few questions about more about you. Okay. Um, so I'll start it off. What's your job? What's, uh, what do you do in your life? Well, I'm a teacher, so <laughs> quite unlike my, uh, my, my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather, I don't farm. I'm not involved in farming. I, I became a teacher, and uh, that's, uh, I'm an English teacher, and I mm-hmm. teach in, in uh, Brantford uh, at a high school called St. John's College. Do you like your job? Yeah, I do. I do like being an English teacher. It's uh, it's interesting, um, and uh, I, uh, I I generally enjoy the students and my colleagues. So uh, uh, I I have a good job. Yeah. Uh, so you enjoy your job, right? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part about it? My favorite part is probably spending time with literature and and uh, talking about literature. I I really enjoy teaching Shakespeare um, and uh, seeing other students uh, perhaps. Uh, see themselves in what they're reading and what they're viewing and writing about it and and, and I enjoy um, uh, being a part of that process and having conversations with students and and seeing them perhaps discover things about literature and themselves that they might not otherwise uh, do so I think that's always interesting yeah so uh, now that you're a successful teacher and you have been for many years more of an inco- interesting question uh, where do you see yourself in another 10 years from now 
I see myself as being retired. <laughs> I really don't. I, I, as much as I love teaching, I love the idea of of uh, retiring when I can and okay. perhaps doing something different. Uh, I don't know what that would be. Sometimes I think I I I, I, I spoke. Uh, uh, I, I sometimes think it would be uh, interesting. Over the last ten years, I've really tried to pick up on. Uh, on my Dutch language and learning Dutch mm. and speaking Dutch and so on. You want to become fluent and, in Dutch? And hopefully I can become fluent in Dutch. I always have a, uh, a notion that perhaps uh, in my last couple of years of teaching or maybe even after I retire, I can... Uh, Go to uh, school for that? I can even um, some maybe do some teaching in Holland. You know, oh, wow. You know, that yeah. would be... That, I always think that would be an interesting <laughs> thing or a goal to work toward. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just one thing, but I want to do... Uh, I've, I've got other goals uh, in 10 years as well, so... Well, um... I guess uh, we can go to more of a deeper question, if you know this right now, if you can think of it. What's your biggest regret in life? Oh, <laughs> regrets I've had a few, few so I'm not going to really get into all the regrets. I don't want this interview to get too long. Yeah. But uh, my biggest regret is probably, one of one of my regrets, I should say, um, is, uh, is uh, not finishing a master's degree program mm. uh, at York University in the uh, late 1990s. Mm. Uh, so uh, that's... <laughs> It was a, uh, it was a, a master's degree program in environmental studies and with a focus on housing and, ur and urban, urban um, uh, housing development and so on. And uh, for a number of reasons, I thought it would be better to get a job than to continue that program. And uh, I've always, uh, I've always regretted that. I wish well, I would have finished it. If you did finish that program and continued there, where do you think you would have been now? Oh, that's really hard to say. I, it could very well be that I'd be end up in the same place. Perhaps I'd be teaching English right now at St. John's College. Uh, if, 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 if those circumstances were such, but um, it's really hard to say. I, I, I had notions of being involved in perhaps working for a, uh, in, uh, as a certified planner, either for in, uh, you know, in the private sector or in the government sector. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's a very good chance that I would have uh, ended up uh, like that, perhaps like our neighbor down the road, uh, Mr. Quinn, who uh, oh, yeah. does that kind of work for the city of Hamilton. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, um, I think we're at 14 minutes now. That about wraps up our podcast. Okay. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Tuesday Night Late Show. And make sure to tune in to our next episode coming out every week. We put them out every Tuesday. Don't miss them. Thank you, uh, Dad, for oh, yeah. thanks, coming Ethan, on, for, on the uh, show. Yeah, thanks for asking some questions. I hope mm -hmm. you learned a little bit about your great-grandfather. He's a good role model and uh, somebody I hope that you can uh, learn a little bit more about, too, as you get older. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, well, um, that about wraps it up. So you all have a good night. Bye for now. On last week's episode, me... And my friends Gabe and Justin talked about our personal heroes and what they mean to us in our lives. And on today's episode, we're going to be interviewing my hero, my dad, 